It's Saturday, August 19th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report and this special weekend edition. Well, today's podcast is a personal message. It's, uh, it's one prompted by an email from a listener, Thomas, from somewhere in Oklahoma. He wrote in, And he was very upset by my asking you all as listeners to become paid subscribers, especially founding subscribers. And as I reflected on his email, I felt like it was appropriate to respond to not just him, but everybody. And here's why. As you'll see, I bet that had Thomas known more about me and my journey with this whole world of media and podcasts, I suspect that he would have never written his email. So today I'm going to open up a bit, which is not easy for me to do, and I'm going to talk about my life and my journey in this whole world of media on what is somewhat of a special Saturday, August 19th. So here is Thomas's note, quote, Brian, I understand that you're hustling now to make more money and asking people to subscribe for six bucks a month. Well, that's one thing, but to ask for founders to give you $1,000 or more, that is disgusting. You're just trying to get rich. So whoever I thought you were, that's gone. I feel like the CIA mask has slipped off and the ugly guy behind it is now obvious for everybody to see. I am so disappointed, end quote. So Thomas, I truly appreciate your anger. And I understand that Without you knowing how I got to this point of now asking for listeners to help out and become subscribers, you might not fully understand why I did it. And you know what? Really, that's my fault. And I have to share with you, I think, more about who I am and why I'm even doing this, this entire podcast. And so let's do that. Let's talk about that with, again, the note that I do not like talking about myself, but that's all right. We got to do it. It's time to tell this story. So let's go back to December of 2015. In that month, I was wrapping up my time and career with the CIA. I had been working on auditing some of uh, the CIA's, shall we say, special projects and figuring out which ones were effective and which ones weren't. And that was not a fun job because I had to tell some very powerful people that their projects were garbage operationally, and they did not like hearing that. So rather than work in that environment where ultimately some of my former colleagues were lying to the White House and Congress about otherwise successful operations, or so they said, or these colleagues of mine didn't actually tell White House uh, and the Congress uh, the truth or enough of it, I just decided to leave. So as I decided that, I got a call from a buddy of mine, David, and he worked for a fellow you might have heard of, Larry King. Ah, the Larry King longtime radio announcer, host of Larry King Live on CNN for many, many years. And my buddy David asked me, hey, Brian, you want to come on with Larry and talk about international events? And I said, "Uh, yeah, are you kidding me? The Larry King? Yes, I will fly out to Burbank, California and sit down with the legend that is Larry King. So I did. And what an experience. And what a guy. He was funny and witty, engaging, smart, and to me, most importantly, he was just really nice. And once we wrapped up, and as an expression of just what a great guy he was, he invited me to have supper, which was just incredible. And I'll tell you, talk about a fish out of water. 
I was in a restaurant in Beverly Hills with the Larry King and all of these very famous people were coming up to our table sharing, you know, saying, hi, Mr. King. And I just, you know, sat there and nodded, smiled like an idiot. Well, at one point, Judy Garland's son walks up and uh, he and Mr. King are talking about the old days, which was incredible. Then Mr. King starts telling stories about uh, old Hollywood stars pulling pranks on each other. Well, dropping names like Spencer Tracy and Richard Burton. Just legends. At any rate, what a night. Well, in the years after that, Mr. King would call me on my birthday and he would leave voicemails, usually poking fun at me or saying some sarcastic junk. And that was so great. Ah, what an honor. Anyway, little did I know that Mr. King and that graciousness and kindness would be the first and last time that I ever experienced such a thing in American media. Because from then on out, ladies and gentlemen, it was awful. The people, the industry, all of it. For example, when I wrote for major newspapers, the editors would try to control every word that I wrote and everything, every bit of analysis that I offered up so as to not offend their readers and their political views. In other words, they only wanted me to write stuff that fit the echo chamber, the bias of that particular outlet. Well, then I started to write for a major news corporation and I started going on TV, getting my first taste of television. Well, it started out, interestingly enough, they promised to pay me for my work, but then they never did. Then I was propositioned for an act of intimacy. And the suggestion was that I wouldn't get booked to go on TV anymore unless, well, I, you know, the casting couch, it's real. Well, then a senior executive of this major news corporation sat down with me and asked if I would like my own show at some point, which sounded like a lot of fun and very cool. But they told me that they, they wanted me to have big energy, right? That's the, the series of words they kept repeating. Big energy, Brian, bigger energy, get loud and excited and pound my fist, wave my hands in the air, which I can do when and only when. I believe in something and I get fired up, absolutely, but not on command, right? I am not a circus monkey. I am not an actor. So they did not give me a show. So the cumulative experience of all that, right, being controlled, not getting paid, some very inappropriate casting couch attempts, uh, being told to dance like that uh, circus monkey, well... I got burnout and I took a little bit of, uh, of time off from media. I spent time with my family, went to the family farm, went up to the mountains with my dad. We worked, or I worked, I should say, on some projects with the U.S. military. And then I got a, a call from a podcast company and we agreed to launch a show, many of which you all know about. I will hold off on details about that, but I will say this. It was not a good experience. And I chose not to extend my contract. And I walked away with professionalism and graciousness. And then as now, I wish them well. But then I had a choice. I could work again with the military on some great projects. I could do a bit more with the family ranch. Or I could do what everybody told me was the dumbest and craziest idea. I could start my own podcast without corporate media outlets backing me. Right? And it was dumb and crazy, folks told me, because I wanted to keep doing a five-day-a-week podcast focused 
very heavily on well-sourced news, right? Then pivoting to my analysis and opinion, which had to be very smart and careful and logical and data-driven. Plus, the news, it wouldn't just be about American news, but also stuff from around the world that deeply affects us. Well, doing that kind of podcast five days a week, it is at present only done by corporate media outlets with multiple hosts or the team of writers and researchers, but I would have to do it all on my own until I made enough money to hire and you know grow a staff. Well, at one point, a buddy in the podcasting world who's a great guy, a wonderful mentor, uh, he, he said to me, dude, this idea of the right report, it's like David and Goliath. People are going to try to squish you if you get too good, and you're not going to have the money to fight back. And what he meant by that, by the competition, you know, these corporate media outlets trying to squish me, well, what they will do is actually block advertisers from ever working with me or prevent me from going on with other podcasts to do promotional work, right? Well, they can do that because, well, the world of this media stuff, successful podcasts in particular, it is very tiny, right? Everybody knows everybody. And that means that these uh, corporate outlets have both the power and the money to squish anyone that they don't want to succeed. In other words, anybody who has the audacity to try to venture out on their own. Well, I took all that counsel and I decided that, uh, well, since I am my father's son, I am stubborn. I launched the right report anyway. Well, unfortunately, my buddy was right. There have been some, shall we say, roadblocks that have been put in front of me. But that's okay, because I work hard, and I have some of the most incredible and loyal listeners out there, and and I know that. And here's how I know that. When I started The Right Report, I had a big number of y'all follow me for this new show, and that is very rare. Also, when I asked you all to fill out those listener surveys, My goodness, a whole bunch of you did. And I tell you, the people that I worked with on that survey, they were just shocked, gobsmacked, as our friends in Britain say. They had never seen that kind of response. So yeah, you all are awesome and loyal. And I believe that that is because you all know that I work hard for you and I am laser focused on providing value each and every day in a way that very few others are doing out there. And that gets us to last week. So I decided that for me to, to survive and thrive, I would need your help. Because of those roadblocks, I would need paid subscriptions to keep going. And so I offered those up. $6 a month, $70 a year. And yes, Thomas, it is true. $1,000 or more for anyone with the resources and the inclination to support me in this podcast. And not because of charity. I don't need that. These $1,000 founders do it because they get value and they want more of it. And I want to deliver it very much because I love what I do, right? I chose this David and Goliath path because I love taking you all with me around America and around the world to places and stories that a few others, maybe nobody else is doing. Right? I love taking you with me to the South Pacific and we talk about Vanuatu and Fiji and the battle for the South Pacific and we talk about why we should care. I love going to the Congo or Guinea or Mali, all in places in Africa that we talk about dirty green energy or Islamic radicals. 
And yeah, I, I love bringing you facts and data on America, on our border or the U.S. economy or American politics. Plus, I really enjoy other domestic topics that other podcasts just don't cover, especially agriculture, because my family has been farming and ranching in this country since the 1600s before we were even a country at all. And I love doing that. So the point to Thomas and everybody else is that I took this difficult path not because of a desire for money or fame, but because the stuff we talk about is important. And if we're not talking about it, if we are not watching it closely, it comes back to haunt us. Based on my time at the CIA, friends, what I have discovered is that when we don't watch these global events closely, right, families like ours ultimately get shipped off to foreign wars or strange conflicts. And when we come back, we come back with broken bodies and broken bones, broken minds, or we don't come home at all. Meanwhile, it's families like ours that pay the price when, say, our energy policies start to change and we're not watching it. And we are ultimately forced to buy products that we don't want, ostensibly to save the planet, for instance. And it's families like ours that if we don't watch what's happening in this country, we end up feeling pretty frustrated, pretty isolated, and pretty fearful. Because as we struggle to make sense of it all, we sometimes forget that we live in an exceptional country with exceptional people. And we need to be encouraged or inspired or reminded that we are great. And we are here to make this place a more perfect union. And that's what I try to do, ladies and gentlemen, because that's what I love to do. So, Thomas, I hope that these couple of minutes have given you a little bit better sense of who I am and why I do this podcast. I also very much hope that you continue to listen, all because of value. It delivers every single episode. And if I may, and if I can really push my luck here, maybe as you reflect on this and continue to enjoy the podcast, perhaps become a paid subscriber at, a, at an amount that, well, whatever your wallet and your heart allow. And if not, that's okay. You will still get a daily podcast where I am working my tail off to bring you value. That is my commitment to not only Thomas, but to everybody. And one last thing. So lately I have been reflecting on what my buddy told me, that this fight to build this podcast is like David and Goliath. And here's what I've been reflecting on. In the end, David wins. And I expect to, too. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this Saturday Brief. I'll see you on Monday, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. <laughs>